All right. So a lot has transpired since we have um since I had, you know, since my last episode. How is everybody doing out there? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. James Harden is now an official. He's officially a net. He's a Brooklyn net. He's off to Brooklyn. Houston, they they shaved off their beard. <laughs> um, Houston shaved. They shaved off their beard, and James Harden is out of town now. He's not. In, he, he's not a rocket no more. And you know, we got. It's a lot to get to. Urban Meyer got a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars as their new head coach. So, and we, and not to mention the NFL playoffs. So we got a lot to dive into. I'm going to break down and unpack this James Harden trade. What does it mean for the Nets? What does it mean for James Harden? What does it mean for Kyrie Irving? Um, you know, where do the Nets, you know, a lot of people are interested and curious to hear my take about where the Nets, um, like where do they rank in the Eastern Conference? Um, and, you know, I, I so... I'm, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get into that. We got a lot to get into, though. Um, so let's start it up. Let's start it up. Let's start it. Let's not waste no time. First of all, I want to shout out to all the shout out to all the first time listeners. If you're a first time listener, please come back um, for the next episode. Hope you enjoy this one. Shout out to all the regular the regular listeners. If you're a regular listener of the pod, shout out to you. Shout out to all the DSPs that you guys are accessing this podcast from. And also, once again, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt. And welcome back to another episode of the IKP, the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. So, let's not waste any time. Let's get to James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets and this Houston Rockets trade. As you all may know already, and I gave you guys a heads up before... The last episode, you know, in the intro of the last episode, on the previous episode, I said, hey, James Harden trade went down. I know, but this episode was already recorded, so I did not know as I was recording. So you're going to get it today. And how fitting, how fitting is that? A Saturday podcast where I give you guys my take on this big time blockbuster trade um, and this, you know, this big three in Brooklyn. So let's break down the trade details. Um, it was a four-team deal, a four-team blockbuster deal. Obviously, James Harden was the centerpiece. He was the centerpiece of this trade, but there was also there was also a, a, a also several really good players included in this trade um, to to make it happen. Obviously, so let's just start with the Nets. The Nets got James Harden, obviously. Uh, the Rockets in return of James Harden, they received Victor Oladipo from the Pacers. Um, they also got one of the bench, uh, one of the Nets role players. They also got Dante Exum. They then got four unprotected first round picks from the Brooklyn Nets. That includes 2022, 2024, and 2026. And then they have, well, excuse me, they have four first round picks. Three from the Brooklyn Nets, and one of those are Milwaukee's, uh, the 2022 Milwaukee pick, and then they have four. Uh, f- they have four first round swaps. So those, like, depending on how bad the, the like the Nets would have to be, like, just terrible for those swaps to really mean anything. So that's what the Rockets got in return. The Pacers got 
Um, they received Curtis Curtis Levert um, in a 2023 second round pick from Houston. And the Cavaliers got Torian Prince with big man, shot blocking, run protecting um, Jared Allen. So obviously, um, I, you know, everybody's talking about the James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets and the Rockets and so forth. I did, I do, I do like that pickup of Curtis Levert um, for the Pacers. I, I, I like that acquisition. Um, I'm a touch a little little tiny bit on that but let's move on let's go you know everybody's here for james harden let's let, let's get to it everybody's here for james harden so james harden requested a trade he wanted out um he want he he claims he wants to win now james harden wants to win now um and rightfully so james harden like i, I told you guys this already he's one of i think he's probably at this juncture over the last several years He's probably been the most lethal offensive player in the league. Um, if not one of the most lethal offensive players in the league, he's he's been a MVP candidate for the last – he's been an MVP caliber type of player for the last, I don't know, what, six six years? It seems like six, seven years, um, scoring champion and so forth. Now he got an MVP so now it's time to win championships. James Harden wants to win championships, and he wants to win now. And the Brooklyn Nets, they want to win a championship right now. They went out and took they went out and took a big swing, um, and they got James Harden. Now, obviously, I feel I felt that this was always going to be inevitable. This whole thing with James Harden and going to the Nets, I all I, I always kind of felt like it was inevitable. I didn't think the Nets would go all out the way that they did but i think the Kyrie drama and the Kyrie uncertainty i think that plays a part into um the Brooklyn Nets really pull, pulling the trigger and um going all out i mean they go they went all out they they this is like people 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 keep asking me oh what is the, what's the expectations when you make a move like this such as the Brooklyn Nets made when you make a move where you you give up practically your entire foreseeable future, um, you give up a you give up some really some really good role players. You're, you're going all out. You're going all out. And when you add a guy of James Harden's caliber, you are going all you're going all out. Especially when you have talents already like Kevin Durant. And you know, Kyrie Irving, De- DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris, and so forth. You're trying to win now. Obviously, you're trying to win now. Now, from the Brooklyn Nets standpoint, adding James Harden, obviously, these the James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, three of the more prolific scores that this league has ever seen. It's th- I mean, they're one of the they're three of they're they're arguably three of the best scores in basketball today and then we've and then also like in all time like these guys are just premier offensive players and juggernauts um Durant and Harden two top 10 players no question about it and Kyrie Irving um you can make the argument that he can you can make the argument when Kyrie Irving's at his best he's a he's arguably a top 10 player um he's obviously a top 10 talent but this is this 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 is what this is what the Nets wanted. This is what they got. This is what James Harden. This is what he got. So this is a win now move. This is a win now move. 
And you're probably wondering, okay, so like, what's next? What's what, what what's next? Um, what about their defense, right? What about their defense? The first, not just defensively, but offensively, how does this thing work? Because with Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is always going to be the first option. Kevin Durant is going to be the first option. Kevin Durant is the man, and he's having a and he's he's having a, a, a you know he might be a dark horse for MVP. But you look at a guy like Kyrie Irving and James Harden, who are both ball dominant, ball dominant, ball centric guards. Um, I, I'm just very curious to how to see how it works. In my estimation, in my opinion, um, I, I I think Harden should be the second guy. I think Harden, I think Harden should, with this Nets team and how it's constructed, I think Harden should be the playmaker. Because Harden is a guy who, like Harden, scoring champion and so forth, led the league in scoring over the last three years and so forth. But Harden led the league in assists as well. So Harden is a really good facilitator. Um, he's always, he's been a good facilitator since his days in Oklahoma City. Now, obviously, um, Harden, his brand, his you know him as a player, he has certainly evolved from his Oklahoma City days. But he led the league in assists while he was in Houston. So. Like he he can I think his playmaking ability not just the scoring ability because obviously we all know James Harden can score like he, he he's a he's a he got, he's a guy that averages 33, 35 points per game a, a night easy he can get that easily so we all know he can score the basketball but I think his playmaking is gonna make this thing work or it offensively I think his playmaking should be able to make this thing work out a little bit smoother um. I know, and I, I and I understand everybody's out there that's saying, "Hey, you know, ball, two ball centric guys, like they they like to shoot a lot." I understand it. Yes, I understand it. But I think James Harden's playmaking ability, um, Kevin Durant, he's very Kevin Durant. KD is efficient. Kevin Durant is a guy who doesn't need the field. He doesn't need a lot of touches. You get him. You get he can he can literally score close to 30 points on 12 shots. He can get 30 on 12 to 13 shots. That's how efficient he is. He like when he gets the ball, it is with like it's it's meaningful. Every move is meaningful, but it, he makes it look so effortless. And then Kyrie Irving and his spectacular ball handling skills. The reason why I wouldn't have Kyrie Irving as my primary playmaker because Kyrie, yes, great handle, great dribbler, but he's not the type of guy, he's not the type of guard where he's creating a lot for others. A lot of his penetration, a lot of his a lot of his isolation is based off of creating space so he can get a shot. So I I, I am curious to see how that dynamic work offensively. Um and that's and 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 my, that's just my opinion on far as as far as like James Harden should be the primary playmaker, get everybody involved. That that's just my opinion. But I, you know, you 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 guys are obviously you know you probably you guys probably think differently. But that's just my opinion on how things should run offensively or how they should look. Um, and then defensively, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to expect. Um, defensive rating, they, they're, they're, the Nets defensive rating was ranked 12th before the trade. Um, now we all know Harden, Harden, I, he's, 
He has in the, in the last couple of years, he's put a little bit more effort towards defense. But we know Harden isn't like a all world first team all defender type of guy. He's not going to be that guy, and he's he's pro- he pro- he's not going to never be that guy. He's just not. But um, the defense is the real the real question for me defensively. What can Brooklyn do defensively? That was a question for me before Harden arrived. That was a question for me. For me. But now that you take away Jared Allen, who Jared Allen is a young big, rim-protecting big, nice athletic big, but you don't have him no more. Um, so, you, you, so you lose that defensive anchor. You do still have DeAndre Jordan, but Jared, Jared Allen is basically a younger version of DeAndre Jordan. Um, a younger version of DeAndre Jordan. Basically, that's 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 essentially what he is. Now, defensively, I think that's the big the big question because I was looking at I and I and you know people talking about you know obviously this is a this is a championship team. The Brooklyn Nets obviously are aiming for a title. They're aiming and playing for championships. And just looking at the last, like look at all the champions and from. You can you can go back as far as in the 80s. You look at those championship winning teams, their defensive rating that most of those teams are in the top 10 in defensive rating. Most of those teams. Now there's a few exceptions like there's a like the 2001 the 2000 2001 Lakers, they were they their, their defensive rating was like 21st. They were ranked 21st. And they still won the title, but they had a dominant playoff run and also had the most dominant player in league history at that time, Shaquille O'Neal. So, you know, you you get the point. But most most champions are top five. They're either they're, they're top 10 in both offensive rating and defensive rating. Offensively, that's no problem. Brooklyn's going to be fine offensively. Um, defensively is where the trouble lays or, you know, where we have our question marks, where a lot of people have their question marks and in a trade like this, I often, I often been, you know, over the, when trades happen like this all the time, people always ask, Oh, who's the winner? Who's the loser? And to be, if you like, this is my, this is my thinking. When I look at a team like Brooklyn, they traded a lot of assets, a lot of draft picks to get a proven commodity such as James Harden, a player of James Harden's caliber. I'm all for it, um, especially in the NBA, because in the NBA, essentially stars win. Stars win essentially in the NBA, and you, you can try to play this long game. Like I, I, I know people get tired of me saying it, but I just look at the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are. Uh, I mean, they're a great team. They have young, they have nice young players in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They have a nice core, Marcus Smart. They have nice core players to build around, and they're all. They most of them are young, but the Celtics. They have had the, the Celtics. Nobody in the last like seven. Nobody like in the last five to seven years has had as many assets as the Celtics. But for some odd reason, the Celtics, like sometimes they mention their name in these big blockbuster trades, but you know, sometimes their name get pulled put in it, but they never come out with a deal. And you look at a franchise like the Celtics, it's all about winning championships, winning banners. But the Celtics, 
they haven't quite got over the hump and they got into a few conference finals over the last several years. But that just that, that what is that for the Celtic fan base, for the Celtics organization, that doesn't mean nothing to them. So when I look at a team like the Lakers, because remember, everybody said, oh, my God, the Lakers gave up too much for Anthony Davis. They gave up way too much for Anthony Davis. No, they did not. Anthony Davis is our, he's a top 10 player. Obviously, in this league, some people will probably say he's the second best player in basketball right now. Um, he's superbly talented. You just don't get that every day. You just don't get that every day. And you don't have a you and, and when you have a guy such as Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard and James Harden, when these guys are on the trade market and you have the necessary assets to trade for them, and you feel like you if you're you're one piece away from doing it big, then do it. Take a swing at it. And that is what the Celtics have failed to do over the last several years. I mean, look how many star players have been on the trading block. Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, uh, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. There's been so many players on the trade block where the Celtics obviously could give the best deal, but they, 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 they don't pull the trigger for some odd reason. So I'm glad that Brooklyn was not afraid to pull the trigger because when you look at it with, with Houston, yes, they got Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is a nice ball. He's a reason. He's an all-star quality player. And, you know, his, 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 his future in Houston right now is a bit uncertain because they still, there's, I see reports that he still wants to go to Miami, but so his, his future is still uncertain in Houston. But Houston, they got back a bunch of picks. And, and, and once again, like, you know, the, the, the first few years, like the, the Nets pick, can we go back? Can you pull that back up for me? Okay, so the Nets 2022 pick and the Milwaukee Bucks 2022 pick, those picks are probably not going to be worth much because the Nets are probably still going to be pretty good and the Bucks are probably still going to be pretty good. But you look at 2024, 2025, 2027, Yes, I mean, it's a great, it's a, I mean, we don't know what Brooklyn can look like six years from now. I mean, so Brooklyn could be bad and those picks could be really good, but then there is like the draft picks and it's an uncertainty. It's an uncertainty about it. It's always the, uh, it's the draft picks are like the unknown. It's, it's the unknown. So I, that's the only thing. Um, and, and like I told, and like I said, before this trade even transpired, you go back and look at NBA history when, when star players request trades, the, the loser of the trade nine times out of 10, or I'm, I mean, I should say 10 times out of 10, most more than likely the team that is trading, the team that's trading away the superstar player or the star player that's requesting a trade usually loses the trade they i mean that's usually how it works they usually lose they they usually lose the trade that's usually how it works now like i said um a couple uh, what a couple weeks ago a couple episodes ago what did i say i said okay if you're houston eventually you're gonna have to trade james harden and you're probably not gonna win the trade because in situations like this the team that's trading away to start don't win the trade but do you want to go out like the new like do you want the Anthony Davis trade where you look at yes the Pelicans gave up Anthony Davis 
But look what they got back in return. They got they got draft picks. They got a a perennial all star in Brandon Ingram, who is still like getting better and better. Um, obviously Zion, but Zion didn't come from the Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis trade. But you get the gist. Or do you want to give up James Harden for a bag of chips? So it was it was just all the way how like how are you going to lose the trade? Is it is this trade going to go down as one of those? Oh my God, this trade was not like oh my God, Houston they just did they they failed at this trade. Or are we going to look back and look at this James Harden trade and say you know what? They were in a tough predicament and you know they prob they're not going to get they're not going to get back anybody as good as James Harden most likely. But, but they got some pretty nice assets down the line. But you look at the Eastern Conference. Yes, you have the Bucks, who you know in the last few years have have really dominated the conference in the regular season. But there's no real juggernaut in the Eastern Conference that's sta- like there's no real big juggernaut that's standing in in the way of the Brooklyn Nets. And like I told you guys, I have Brooklyn. I had Brooklyn coming out of the East before the trade, prior to the trade, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Obviously, now Milwaukee, I, I you know they're gonna be there. Obviously, they're gonna be in the playoffs and you know and competing to get out of the Eastern Conference for sure. But I still, we still, we still have to answer. Giannis still has to answer the bell as far as. Uh, his skills, having a go-to move in the postseason, and getting just overall getting those postseason postseason struggles out of like out the way. So that's still a major question mark in 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 um in Milwaukee. Then I look at the Philadelphia 76ers. I do think the Philadelphia 76ers are very interesting. The new look 76ers, I must say, with Doc Rivers, um, Joel Embiid looks. He looks like he this is the this is the Joel Embiid that everybody expects to see when fully healthy and and when fully committed and in shape. He's committed and in shape and he's healthy. Um and he's playing right now. He's he's making his bid for early MVP as an early MVP candidate. Now, my thing is with the 76ers, yes, they have added shooting. Yes. I think Doc Rivers is a upgrade from Brent Brown, Brett Brown, excuse me. But I still look at Ben Simmons in the lack of jump shot, the jump shot, um, the, the the lack of respect that teams give him um due to that weakness. So you're so that's still a glaring weakness. And Ben Simmons, I like Ben Simmons. I'm a huge Ben Simmons guy. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Ben Simmons guy, but the the lack of jump shot and 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 not just the lack of a of a jumper he doesn't shoot it like he doesn't shoot the three so that still could be a problem even though they have more shooting and they in the, in their in their in their spacing is a lot better than what it was last year i still think i still think seven, the 76ers are going to run into issues with that so I would still go with Brooklyn and give Brooklyn Brooklyn the edge. Um, Boston, you know, it's Boston. They got a young talent. They got a nice young talent, uh, young core, great, you know, good head coach with Brad Stevens. But 
I mean, how many, you know, they've been knocking at the doorstep for a while, but I, we just don't, we just don't think it's their year quite yet. Um, we just don't think it's their year quite yet. They'd be there. They'd be in the running and, you know, competing, but they just, they're just not going to be there yet. Um, the, you look at a team like the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat, they're not looking too good right now. They got off to a very, so a, a very slow start so far to the season. Jimmy Butler, He's dealt with some injuries, but Miami, the, the Heat feel like the little engine that could. They feel like that's what the Heat feel like. They feel like the little engine that could, and you know, maybe they'll straddle and get into the playoffs. But you know, they gotta they gotta hit their full stride. We just gotta see what they look like the second half of the year. Um, and then you have a team like Indiana, Indiana, who made the playoffs. They, they've been making the playoffs for the last several years in the Eastern Conference. But um, not quite good enough to win a round or two. So I think I'm still confident about Brooklyn getting out of the Eastern Conference and winning the Eastern Conference. I'm still confident by that. You know, obviously with health and you know help. You know, no catastrophic. Nothing catastrophic happens. Now this is you know going into the NBA Finals. I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna have a Lakers and Brooklyn Nets NBA Finals, um, and I th- and I'm a still. The Lakers are my favorites, and I'm a still stick with the Lakers as my favorites. I I just trust the Lakers. Uh, I just trust the Lakers on the defensive side of the basketball. Defensive side of the basketball last year is what got it done for the Lakers. So I, I, I'm sticking with that. They um, Frank Vogel is a defensive minded coach. They still have Anthony Davis anchoring down low. Um, so, like, that that Laker team, they're committed to playing defense. I'm not so sure about Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn offensively, no worries. No worries. Once they figure out the chemistry and, you know, the roles and so forth, no worries, like, as far as chemistry and offensively. I mean, offensively. But defensively, that's where I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit worried at. And that's also where... I want to see the moves that Sean Marks make because he still has three wide open roster spots. So let's see the moves that Sean Marks make to um, p- perhaps enhance and in, 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 in improve the Brooklyn Nets defensive ability. Um, because th- that's that's it seems like that's a question mark that everybody has. That's a question mark that everybody has. And Steve Nash, I mean, talk about. Talking about an experiment. This is this is one for the ages. <laughs> this is this, Steve Nash. I mean, he has he has a tough job. He has a tough job on his hands. I mean, talented players, talented group, but this is going to be one heck of an experiment. So, um, I, I, the Nets, <laughs> they 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 look awfully good on paper, and it's a great. It's going to be a great offensive team. It was it was a good offensive team before James Harden. You only you only add one of the best offensive players to ever touch a basketball. Period. To this to this engine already, it's just going to go. It's but they got to figure out the chemistry thing. They got to figure out how they're going to play and the roles and the sacrificing. And Steve Nash is going to be a big part of that. Steve Nash and the players, they're going to be they're going to he's going to be a big part of that. And it's going to be really interesting to see how Steve Nash handled that. He how he handles, you know, this situation as a first-year head coach. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. Um, but 
as far as like entertainment factor and wow factor, the Brooklyn Nets have that. Like they're interesting. This is this is gonna be an interesting story in in um storyline and headline to really follow throughout the season and you know throughout the postseason as as it progress you know as it progresses. Um so that is the Brooklyn Nets and you know and you know James Harden that trade that was crazy. That 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 was crazy. That caught the NBA world by storm. Uh <laughs> Twitter went off. Everybody, everybody went off. So that that's and this is what the NBA it seems like this is what the NBA lives for. The NBA lives for uh tr- you know, transactions. It seems like this the free agent signings, the big blockbuster trades. That's the NBA's mojo. That's what they point. That's what they look to. That's the. This is the. This has become the NBA's mojo. Transactions, and speaking more to it, as far as just Brooklyn Nets and LeBron, um and and Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving, this has me thinking about LeBron. And I know he. I know you guys are saying, "Oh my God, here you go again," but this proves my point about player mobility. And LeBron starting super teams. And I tell people this all the time. LeBron started super teams. LeBron was the first guy, was the first one, you know, the first, he was a player, the first player to embrace um, player movement, player empowerment. That's what I meant. That's what I mean by creating super teams. LeBron engineered it. LeBron, and, and, and this is the thing. LeBron fans, they love to say, oh, my God, look at what Kevin Durant did. Kevin Durant joined the 73-9 and nine Warriors. Well, LeBron joined two. He joined two other All-Stars in Miami. And, yes, it's not as equivalent to Kevin Durant's move, but think of it like this. LeBron, LeBron created MySpace. Kevin Durant created Facebook. You get it? LeBron created MySpace. So LeBron created Super Teams. He created this social, this social app and the socials app. And you know, an app that you can talk with people and meet new friends th- through social media. All, all cool and all. That's MySpace. LeBron created MySpace. Then when Kevin Durant made that move and transition to Golden State with that 73 and 19 with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, that was Facebook. LeBron was MySpace, Kevin Durant was Facebook, and now once again, how, how ironic, how ironic LeBron runs up against another super team. Really interesting. Really interesting, I feel like. Interesting, I feel like. That's all. I'm in the interesting business. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't play personal favorites. Now LeBron's one of my favorite players, but I don't, I don't, I can't do it. I'm in an interesting business. But how interesting and how intriguing is that? LeBron's created super teams, and 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 the LeBron, oh my God, the diehard LeBron fan, oh my God, Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. Everybody's, oh, Kevin Durant joined the Warriors. How could he? And it's like LeBron created player mobility. He created he 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 embraced player empowerment. And now it's just you can't you can now you're getting beat by it. Now you're getting you, now you're just getting beat by it. 
So I'm really interested to see how this thing pans out in Brooklyn with Kyrie and KD and um, James Harden. Really interested to see. Hey, y'all. I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. Okay, so let's move on to Urban Meyer. Um, if you probably if you don't know, Urban Meyer, legendary um college football coach, one of the greatest college football coaches, I must say. Uh won three national championships, two at Florida, one at Ohio State, and had in practically anywhere, everywhere he's gone, he's won. Um, bowling green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State, practically unbeatable at Ohio State. Um, he's won. So he took the he took the Jacksonville Jaguars job, and, and I know, and, and, and you, you must not know. I mean, a lot of people probably don't know, but Urban Meyer is relatively young as far as like a from a coaching standpoint. He's relatively young, um, but he has obviously has health issues, and you know, with him taking this job and being the full, you know, being the head coach. I'm sure he has something in place where his health is sustainable and, you know, upkept, well upkept, uh, well upkept. So that's good to know it, you know, but, and it'd be good to see him on the sideline. Um, But the Jacksonville Jaguars, a lot of people, it, they think it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it not think it is a splashy hire, but that's all that people think it is. People think it's just a splashy hire. Um, and and yes, there's a long list of really good, really legendary college football coaches who made the transition to the NFL and it didn't quite work out. Um, Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach ever. Nick Saban um, made the transition, didn't work out. Steve Spurrier. Um, there, there, there's just many examples of it not working out for great college football coaches at the NFL level. Now you have your instances and examples like Jimmy Johnson and Pete Curl and so forth. But and it took Pete Curl a while to succeed at the NFL level. But nevertheless, I do think somewhat in Jacksonville and it's it's Jack and people say oh my god it's Jacksonville. Yes, but I do think they have some of the, they have some some type of plan. And here what I mean, and, and this is what I mean by plan. Because first, what do you want if you're building up your roster as an NFL team? What do you want? NFL coach, NFL GM, what do you want when you're first building up your team? You want a franchise quarterback. You want a franchise guy at the quarterback position. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they're they're in position to do that. They're in position to get um, Trevor Lawrence, one of the best college football prospects ever at the quarterback position, ever. So if he's as good as, as promised, which I think he is, I think he's going to live up to the hype. I think he's worth the hype. If he's as good as promised and as, as advertised, they have their franchise guy. The Jaguars have their franchise guy with the number one pick. 
But then I also look at the draft capital that they have in stock. I look at that. Um, that now it's a really young team. Um, in need of a culture change, but that's what Urban Meyer specializes in. That's his expertise. He is a culture developer. He is a culture changer. He's a guy that comes in and that's he sets a culture. So not only that, not the, not only that they have a lot of young players, not only that they have a lot of draft capital, but they also have a hundred million dollars in cap space. And they're not gonna now. Obviously, they're not gonna go out and spend every single dime of that a hundred million dollars in cap that they have. But I do expect them to, you know, see they're gonna they're gonna go out. They're gonna they're gonna seek free agents. They're gonna get some free agents and spend the money a little bit. Spend the money on some veterans a little bit. Um. So I, I think overall, I think this. I don't want to say this is a great position for Urban, but it's a solid position for Urban. Urban Meyer, he chose it. He had the, he this this was his choice. Um, and I think looking at looking at what Jacksonville has in stock, and like looking at all the pieces that that they can put in play, I I like I like this spot for Urban Meyer. Now it's obviously it's a big difference from going to kids living rooms and convincing and talking to their parents, their moms and their dads, then, you know, drafting on draft night, totally different, totally, totally different. And I think, you know, listening to urban, um, I think he understands that and he's smart enough to understand that. Um, I just, I, I do, I really do think I'm just, you know, I hearing a lot of negative. I, I and I understand it rightfully. So I rightfully so. Because there's a lot of college coaches that did not pan out. But I think the pieces are set in play for Urban Meyer and Jacksonville to be somewhat successful. Also, and look at the division they play in. Look at the division they play in. They play in, I don't want to say a wacky division, but it's a very weird division. Like, the Texans are dysfunctional, and, we, and we're not sure about Deshaun Watson and his long-term future with that with that organization. Um. Indianapolis, Chris Ballard has done a great job with putting that roster together, but they have a they, they haven't been able to find that quarterback replacement for Andrew Luck. Then I look at the Tennessee Titans. Yes, Mike Vrabel, great great coach. They've had some, you know, they've gotten to the playoffs the last couple of years and so forth. But also Ryan Tannehill is a game manager. So also what this goes back to Trevor Lawrence. Is Trevor Lawrence, if he's as good as advertised, and Deshaun Watson is out of the picture, and he gets, let's just say, he gets traded away from Houston. Um, Houston trades him away. You Jacksonville now has the best quarterback in the in the division, so it sets Urban Meyer up in in, in in good in a good spot. It sets him up in a really good spot. So, as we always do, even throughout the playoffs, I'm going to give you guys my top teams. My top teams going into the divisional round of the playoffs. I'm really excited for this weekend. I expect the games to be even better. Um, I, 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 I like I like I like this spot. I'm so I'm gonna give you guys my 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 top teams coming into the divisional weekend. So we have eight teams, and I'm gonna give you my top eight. Here's go here go my list right here. Okay. So at number eight, I decided to pick the Rams at number eight. Um, I, you guys know I'm a big I'm a big Sean McVay guy. 
I think he's a top five coach in this league, um, despite the quarterback situation and the limitations at the quarterback um, position. He just seems to find a way to overcome um, these circumstances. Now, and, and, I, and, I, and I already said it, the Rams, you know, great defense. Sean Mc, the Sean McVay hire was an A hire. Um, they've done just about everything well. Superstar, I mean, the one of the, the best defensive player in football. Then they have um, arguably the best corner in football with a really great defense. They've really done a great job in the draft, but the quarterback position and, and limitations at the quarterback position from Jared Goff is what's holding back the Rams. And I hate to be, I hate to sound like this guy who continuously bang and bang on Jared Goff, but everything around Jared Goff is championship level. The coach is a championship level coach. The defense is a championship level defense. The personnel offensively that he has around him is championship level. Jared Goff is is the limitation. He he's the limitation. Um, that's why I have the Rams at eight. At number seven, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns had a really impressive win versus Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh, they really dominated that game. Um, now, they got a tough one going up to Kansas City, going up against the defending champs. But I think with their offensive line, the way how they're able to run the football, I think this is going to be a closer game than with the spread. Like the wise guys out Vegas has this as a 10-point spread. I don't believe so. I'm going to get to my prediction soon, but I don't believe so. I think it's going to be closer than that spread indicates. Um, the Browns are legit, and a culture, a culture. There's, there's been a revamp. There's been uh, this co- This, this Browns team has been has been revamped. Revamped. Excuse me. It's been revamped. Um, Kevin Stefanski has done a terrific job. Um, playing to his offensive players' strength, specifically, you know mainly Baker, where the Browns have given him an offensive line. They've given him some weapons on the outside. Most importantly, he has those two those two running backs behind him, Kareem Hunt, uh, Nick Chubb. They've run the football ferociously. That has helped Baker. Baker's, Baker has progressed. I've seen some I, – you guys don't think I like Baker, but I've seen progression from Baker. Browns at seven. At number six, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the Buccaneers, they've caught their stride, it seems like, offensively. Um, and they're getting Antonio Brown is well acclimated to the offense. Um, I I I'm gonna I'm gonna save my prediction, you know, for after this, but I the Buccaneers, they're fascinating. I just worry about the consistency part. I still see signs of where like they let their foot off the gas pedal, but I'm going to have them at number six. They're a pretty good football team. Um, They're a pretty good football team. At number five, the Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are probably the, the second hottest team in the NFL right now behind the Buffalo Bills. Um, the, Lamar Jackson single-handedly won that game last week versus Tennessee. Um, You can say he did it with his legs. He didn't do it with his arms. So what? He won a playoff game, and he single-handedly carried the Ravens to victory. Now, the Ravens defense did play well, and that is also one of the key reasons why the Ravens are one are, are, are probably the, the most dangerous team to play in the AFC right now. That defense has wakened up. 
Um, it's 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 starting to show signs of what I thought they would be early on and through early on and through the mid part throughout the season. They caught they caught fire late though, which is good. Ravens at five. At number four, I'm going with the New Orleans Saints. Um, they 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 beat Chicago last week. It wasn't a, like a really impressive win. Um, it was a struggle, but. I think after, you know, Michael, they get Michael, they have Michael Thomas back, Emmanuel Sanders back. They have their offensive weapons. This is the third showdown versus Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. It should be a really interesting one. I do worry about I do worry about Drew Brees. Like everybody like <laughs> Drew Brees is a great quarterback, all-time great quarterback, and he's gonna get he's gonna get he's gonna be he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not gonna get votes for no, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But Drew Brees has limitations and this this is his last year. We see it. Um, Saints at four, but the Saints have a really good roster, all around roster. It, it's it's a it's a it's a it's probably the best all around roster in football. Um, at number three, I'm gonna go with the Bills. Um, I got them at number three. Um, they they did beat the Colts. Now tell me this, riddle me this: Is it because their 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 run defense worries me a little bit because? I don't know if that was because Indianapolis offensive line is so good or is the Buffalo Bills run defense really a problem because the Indianapolis offensive line is dominant and they have they have they have all pros they have all pros and pro bowlers everywhere on that offensive line very similar to Cleveland. So, I don't know if it was the dominance of of Indy's offensive line or is Buffalo's run defense a real problem? We will see, but I have Buffalo at three. That Stefan, that that Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs connection is on point. It is picture perfect. I told you guys, I think that was the single best acquisition this offseason that was made. Um, Stefan Diggs has really turned the corner. Um, oh well, Josh Allen has really turned the corner. Um, and Stefan Diggs has a bit, he's a, he's been a big part of that development. At number two, I'm gonna have the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think at number two and at number one, you guys can probably already guess. At number two and at number one, I have the the Packers at two, Chiefs at number one. I think this, I think this will be the Super Bowl that we get. Uh, I know this is the Super Bowl that everybody wants: Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I, this this is this this will be a great Super Bowl, but. For right now, they gotta still win their game. So right now, the Green Bay Packers, I think I'm just not so certain of golf. Um, the Packers, they they show me they can be physical. So I got them at number two. Um, Aaron Rodgers is having an MVP. He's he he's the MVP this year. And then at one, I like I said, Kansas City. Um I know they've been struggling. They didn't have a great de- de- December. I know Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great December. But I just think for some reason they're so dominant where it comes naturally and so easy where it's that it's a it's 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 I'm keep telling you guys this. It is a Golden State Warriors element that they have about themselves where it the game just comes so easily and naturally where sometimes you're not playing for much. But now it is the postseason. It is time to get back to the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs wake it up. They turn it up. And I, that's why I have them at number one. Um, <clears throat> So we got a big-time week in the NFL 
Uh, obviously, the divisional round of the playoffs. The divisional round of the playoffs. Um, I'm going to make my predictions right here. I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. The divisional rounds of the playoffs. Can we get the matchup? So I want the matchups and the spreads. Yeah, can you get that for me? The matchups and the point spread, so I can tell the um, so I can tell the listeners the point spread. Hold up, where we're doing it? Technology, we're doing it. Okay, um, you got? Can you put it up on the screen? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's go. So, um, Saturday, you we two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. You guys know the drill. Um, the first game on the docket, four thirty-five Eastern time. Um, the LA Rams versus the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. The Packers are six and a half point favorites. I'm not too mad at this. I, I'm looking at Jared Goff. Now, this is the misperception. This is the misperception that I and I keep. Oh, the fault. I should say not misperception. Maybe it is a misperception, but either or misperception or false narrative. This false narrative about. Oh my God, the Rams are going to Lambeau Field and they're not going to be ready for the cold because they're LA team. Okay, I get that point. Yes, they are an LA team. They are a warm weather team, but usually you hear that with high powered, um, you know, high powered offenses that throw the ball all over the all, all over the field. The Rams, you look at the Rams style of play, it's not like soft. Like it's nothing soft about the Rams. The Rams are as physical as it get. That is why I think they're the best suited team in the NFC to go up to Lambeau and win a playoff game because the because of their style. So yes, geographically, you know, we think of LA and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, Showtime Lakers, you know, all you know, we, we think of geographically, we have these thoughts about where uh, based on where a team plays, that is their style, but. Really, the Rams are a team, they're a physical football team that run the football. They're going to run the football effectively. They're going to they're gonna get after your quarterback. They play great in the secondary. They're very physical as a defense and as an offense. But, but as much as I like this defense, as much as I like Sean McVay and his team, I'm going to go with the Packers. I think it'd be too much to ask for, of Jared Goff to go up to Lambeau and beat, and, and beat Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, when, when when is the last time Aaron Rodgers had a bad game? Like a bad, like a legitimately a bad game. The only one I can think back of, or the one that's that's that I can remember, is the Tampa Bay game. And that was what weeks what week six? That was like week six, week five. So that was like October. But other than that, Aaron Rodgers has been lights out. Um, I think I do think it's gonna be close. But I'm gonna go with Green Bay. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go thirty to twenty-two. I I do think. Oh well, thirty to twenty. Thirty to twenty-one. Excuse me. I do think they cover. Um, I, I just don't think the Rams will have enough. Uh, I, I think it's just too much for, to add to Jared Goff. But I do also, like I said, I I don't like the false narrative or the misperception uh, of like, oh my God, the Rams are L.A. team and they can't like no. They play physical football, so like, no matter what the weather is, they they're not a team that throws the football all across the field. No way. So that's not what they do. They run the football, play action pass, a lot of intermediate stuff, a lot of motioning. That's what they do. So 
and I know that's what we think of warm weather teams like all over the field. That's what we think of. But this Rams, this Ram team is physical. They play physical football. On to the next game. Saturday, 8-15, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Buffalo Bills. This is at Buffalo. Um, I heard there's a chance of snow, some, 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 some snow. We're talking about some snow. So that should be interesting and fun to watch. I like watching snow games. Um, and the spread is very close. It is two and a half points. Um, I, 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 this is a tough one for me. I like how the way Baltimore has been playing defensively, but I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills to win this game, and I think it's close. I really – excuse me. I really do think it is close. It is going to be a close football game. Let's Okay, let's go with a score of 31 to 27, the Bills. Um, and, and by the way – these are two of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, Buffalo's on a six-game win streak. I think Baltimore is on a – no, Baltimore is on a six-game win streak. Buffalo's on a seven-game win streak. So two of the hottest teams in the league. Too bad one of them, one of them have to go home. But that is the NFL playoffs. That's how, that's how it goes. Okay, so the first game on Sunday, the Cleveland Brown versus the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10 point favorites now the chiefs i'm sure the chiefs have struggled big time with the spread they have struggled big time with the spread um i think for and i and i think furthermore 10 points is just way too much um i don't know i think cleveland's is cleveland's a, a really good team they're not i don't think they're gonna beat kansas city i have kansas city winning but I just think 10 points is way too much. Um, I, I would like to see the over and under on, like, the Baker and Patrick Mahomes commercials that we might see. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, you know, between Progressive and State Farm, I mean, how many, what's, the, what's the over and under for that? But in all seriousness, I do think Kansas City, like I told you guys, they will turn it on the postseason. Now it can be it can get very scary and very dangerous because Cleveland can run that football and they can keep Patrick Mahomes off of the field. But I don't love Cleveland's secondary. Um, I think this is a, a great uh, this is a good opportunity for this for this Chiefs passing game to get back on track. Um, versus a Cleveland secondary that's been suspect all year long. So I'm going to go with a final score of 34 to 27. 34 to 27. Once again, I think 10, a 10 point spread is way too much. I think this is going to be a touchdown possession. This is going to be a possession game. I, I, I really do think it's going to be that close. Uh, 34 to 27, Chiefs. Um, then last but not least, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus New Orleans Saints. Now I'm having a hard time with this one. Um, I'm 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 having a hard time with this one, but I don't trust. Uh, okay, if you look at the numbers, you crunch these numbers up. Tampa Bay all year long, they're one win. They they only have one win versus a winning team. The once again, the Buccaneers have one win. Versus a team with a winning record. 
And that was the Green Bay Packers, I think, back in week six. The Saints, the last time the Buccaneers played the Saints, we all know the Saints annihilated. They mollywopped. They just straight, they they straight gave them a, a oh my God. They they killed the Buccaneers. I don't trust New Orleans in the playoffs. New Orleans in the playoffs, I don't trust them. And New Orleans have the better overall roster. Like from top to bottom, there's not there's I don't know if there's a weakness in this roster that you can really spot out for New Orleans. So New Orleans has they they have the better team. Um, but too often that was that's the case. New Orleans has the better team. And by the way, I just don't think the Saints and Drew Brees are gonna beat Tom Brady three times. In one year, I don't think they're gonna win. They, I don't think they're gonna beat Tom Brady three times in one year. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose the Buccaneers. This is a, the Buccaneers are three point underdogs, so this is really tight. I'm gonna go with the Buccaneers in a narrow victory. I'm gonna go 33 to 31. 33 to 31. Buccaneers, I I think it's going to be a really good game, a close one, but I do not trust New Orleans in the postseason. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. Go back, go back over the last several years and look at New Orleans' disappointing playoff failures, postseason failures. Go look at them. Go look at them. And New Orleans are New Orleans, and in, in a lot of those games were favored and they lost. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay. I don't think the Saints would beat Tom Brady three straight times. I don't think that I don't think he'll beat I don't think they'll beat Tom Brady three straight times in one year. Um, so <laughs> that is gonna that seems like it's gonna wrap it up. I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, enjoyed this episode. I'm gonna have more James Harden. I mean, this this is such you guys don't just don't know as a content creator. As a content creator with, like, oh, my gosh. And with the NFL season narrowing down and there's not mu- there's not too many more games to go in the NFL season, the James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant dynamic in Brooklyn is going to be so fascinating to watch. Like, I might mention Brooklyn in, like, just about every episode. Like, that's how fascinating it is, and I'm all for it. Um, and, and you guys just don't know as a content creator how, just how, like, how happy I am about that. That, that like, that is, that's, that, that, this is box office material. But nevertheless, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Always remember two choices, one decision. Uh, I am out. Once again, thank you guys. I, I greatly appreciate you guys for continuing to stream this po- this podcast. I don't know where you guys are coming from. You guys are coming out of the woodworks, but I I, I, I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> I greatly appreciate it. Thank you guys. You guys are growing in numbers. So thank you um, to all the, you know, streaming, all the DSPs that you guys use to download this podcast and continue to support me. Without further ado, I let you guys go. Peace, deuces. See you guys back on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And I start spring semester next week. So <laughs> shout out to everybody who started this spring semesters next week. <laughs> um, but peace, deuces. Enjoy. <laughs>